0: Good morning again, everyone. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Genesis, chapter 3. That's Genesis, chapter 3. Today we continue our series called The Human Condition. And this is the second message of three messages. And we're asking the question and providing answers to why pain, suffering, and death exist in a world created by a perfect and loving God in our statement of beliefs here at creekside church we have a section titled human beings and we give a biblical explanation as to why things are the way that they are and why we live in a world with chaos and calamity suffering pain and death and it reads like this we believe all people are created in the image of god to be like him in character however we are all marred by sin both from Adam's original sin as well as our own sinful acts. Our sin alienates us from God, makes us liable for His judgment, and ultimately results in eternal death apart from God's salvation. The human condition. We are in a state of crooked and corruptness. Uh, You know, if you want to see the human condition... Uh, the way that it is now since the fall of man, all you have to do is go to Costco. And right there you can see any married couple starting to argue. I (laughs) I read an article about a man and a woman who, a woman wanted, a wife, uh, she wanted to buy $15 ice cream fruit cups. And the husband said, no, you can't do that. That costs too much. And she said, but it's in bulk. So it's well worth it. And right there in the middle of Costco, they began to argue over ice cream. The human condition. You know, from time to time, you want to start a fight because you might want to rekindle the fires of passion in your relationship because sometimes you need to fight just to make up, right? And Costco evidently is the place you go to do that. But our principle for today is this. Mankind's sin brought curse into the world and it broke our relationship with God. Therefore, all mankind suffers from a fallen nature. Now, when I say mankind suffers from a fallen nature, this is important to keep in mind because sin is a curse. It's a disease that mankind suffers from and it explains the calamity and the evil that we see and hear on a daily basis. What do I mean when I say that man has a fallen nature? Well, this is what I mean. Mankind has a nature that defaults and gravitates towards disobedience, rebellion, and evil. When I say evil, I mean breaking God's commands, which everyone has done. A major symptom of a fallen nature is the acceptance and the normalization of sin in a society and the increased resistance to laws that try to stop mankind's fallen nature from rearing its ugly head. That is the culture we see ourselves living in here today in America and throughout the world. Mankind's fallen nature wants to create a place where it can prosper, where it can grow, almost as if the earth were an incubator for man's fallen nature. And any laws that come up on the horizon designed to prevent man's true nature from coming out are rebelled against. So what we see immediately here, and what I want to teach you today is this, is that mankind chose... To rebel against God's commands. That's the first point on your note card there today. Now, last week we discussed how man created, or God created man in his own image with a mental, moral, and social likeness. But we also talked about how God created man with a free will, with the ability to choose. And we discussed how God's gift to man, giving him free will, was an expression of his love. And we talked a little bit about how God decided to give man free will even though He knew what the consequences of doing that would be. You see, when man has the freedom to choose, man can choose right and man can choose wrong. He can choose to obey and he can choose to disobey. God knew this. And God knew that when He created man, He knew there was a possibility that man could choose wrong. Yet, He decided to give man the freedom of choice anyway. This is what God said. He said, yes, I know that by giving man the freedom to choose, there's a possibility he could choose against me. And by choosing against me, It will bring sin into the world. It will bring curse. It will bring calamity. It will bring chaos. It will bring death. But God said, you know what? I'm going to take that chance. I am going to allow this to happen because of love. Because of love. So God knew that there were two possible outcomes here to obey or disobey. There was a movie that came out back in 2014. It was called The Giver. And in that movie, they had set up a society where they had taken away all of men's choices because the premise was that when man has an opportunity to make a choice, he always chooses wrong. Right? So they created this society And what they did is they had these people take morning injections, and these morning injections got rid of what they called the stirrings. And that was their uh, emotions, these feelings for passion that they would have for other human beings. There was no uh, human contact allowed, no holding hands, no kissing, no hugging. Um, They had surrogate mothers. They had assigned birthing mothers that would give birth in vitro, and those babies were assigned to families at birth. And when they turned 18, they were then assigned their careers that they would work the rest of their lives. And so they lived in this society. Now this society was free of the crime that you see in our society. It was free of the violence that you would see in our society. It was free of a lot of of the war that you would see in our culture, but it was also free of one very important thing, and that was love. There was no human interaction, no hugging, no kissing, no expression of love. They didn't know what those things were. And so that movie taught that, yes, you can have a society where you are absent of war, where you are absent of violence, where you are absent of all of these things that you see we have, but you also are missing out on the greatest gift ever, and that is love. God said, I'm not creating a society like that. I am creating a society where people can express love, because I am love, and I will take the chance that there will be suffering, that there will be calamity, and even death, if it means people can experience love. Does that change your whole perspective and theology on things? We just answered a lot of questions right there in that statement. Love. You know, choices, they're a great mystery, aren't they? You know, you can make a choice that in the immediate and in the short term can be very beneficial, but then in hindsight, years down the road, you look back on that choice and you say, man, I wish I hadn't have done that. (laughs) And then quite the opposite. You can make a choice that's very painful and brings in a lot of suffering in the short term and in the immediate, and looking back on it years later in hindsight, you can say, you know, I'm glad I did that. Choices, they're a great mystery. Uh, there was a song that was co-written by two men named Billy Yates and Mike Curtis. They wrote a song titled Choices, and it was sang by uh, country a music artist George Jones. And I want you to listen to some of the words to this song. It says this, I've had choices since the day I was born. There were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, I wouldn't be here today living and dying with the choices I made. Choices are a very powerful gift that God has given us, but He gave us these choices all in the name of love. So another question that we could ask ourselves, since God gave mankind choices and the ability to make choices does that mean that man's disobedience is god's fault or is man's disobedience and the reason why we live in a condition we live in today god's fault because he allowed satan to tempt man very interesting questions but we know that by the answer that we just gave god allowed these choices you see when god created man and he set him in the garden of eden He said, I want you to tend to this. You're free to eat from any of these trees that you see here and these plants that you see here, but you cannot eat from that one. And the day that you do, you will surely die. There was a choice. A choice and a test. A test for love. Jesus said this, If you love me, listen, If you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you won't eat from that tree. If you love me, you will not eat from that tree. Why? Because if you love me, you will keep my commands. Now, Satan tempted mankind. Is that God's fault? No. You see, God gave man choices, but he also allowed mankind to be tempted by Satan because temptation is very different than testing you see there in the garden man was both tested and tempted at the very same time god provided a test a test for love he said to man i want you to pass this test i want you to prove your love for me and i want this relationship to grow But he also allowed Satan to tempt man. And temptation means to try and pry away from God. And that's exactly what Satan was doing. But God allowed that. Why? Because the temptation allowed the test, and the test proves the love. You see, God is completely sovereign. I know we have an enemy in the devil. But my friends, God uses the devil. And that may sound a little confusing, but really it's not because God is sovereign. At any moment, He could wipe Satan out. But you see, God uses Satan in order to bring you closer to the Lord and in order to initiate these temptations, these tests that allow you to prove your love for God. Does that make sense? We had a choice. You know, when we see these choices that God has given us, one thing that we're always going to have to count on, and this is on your note card here, is that God will always put choices before us. We're always going to have choices. We can never get rid of all the choices that God has for us. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 says, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death, and adversity. So my friends, my encouragement to you today is if you trust God, follow Him. When the prophet Elijah was on top of Mount Carmel there, he was uh, speaking to the people and they were on the fence. Who should we follow? Should we follow God or should we follow Baal? Listen to what Elijah has to say here. Very powerful. Elijah came near to all the people and he said this, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. My friends, we are living in a culture of decisions and choices. How long will you hesitate between two opinions? How long will you sit on the fence? How long will you dawdle between what man is trying to teach you and what God is telling you is the truth. God is saying, if you trust Me, follow Me. Have no fear. God is here. God is saying, follow Me, trust Me. You know, the good Lord is not responsible for mankind's disobedience. But God did allow man to choose wrong. He permitted that. And He also permitted sin to come into the perfect earth that He had created. And when God allowed that, mankind's sin cursed all creation. That's point two. Mankind's sin cursed all creation. The opposite of light is darkness. The opposite of good is evil. The opposite of right is wrong. The opposite of sinless is sinful. And when mankind sinned against God, it brought death into the world. And at that moment, at that moment in the garden, when mankind, man and woman together, ate from the tree that they were told not to, everything began to die. Everything began to die. A curse was brought upon it. Now listen to this. Mankind's sin cursed the earth. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 says this. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and bought $15 ice cream at Costco, you shall not eat of it. <laughs> oh, it's not, that's not what the Bible says? Did I misread that? Oh yeah, I must have. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it, Listen to this part, folks. This is important. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. So in that moment, immediately, the earth and the environment began to change. It became corrupted and it began to die. The earth was a place of a perfect environment. It was like a greenhouse effect. Uh, Genesis chapter 2 tells us that a mist used to rise up from the ground and it would cover the surface of the ground. It had not rained yet. They didn't know rain. There was a water canopy that protected the earth. There was a firmament, uh, the space in between. God said He created an expanse or a firmament that separated the waters from below from the waters above. It was a stable temperature. It was a stable environment. No storms. It was perfect. And we know that, why? Because the first man and woman were naked. I mean, how much more perfect could it be to be walking around in that condition, right? Not needing any clothing. It was perfect. But the moment that sin, the curse of it, came into the world, everything changed. Temperature became unstable. Environment became unstable. Storms came into the world. Tornadoes, tsunamis cold, heat. Everything that was perfect began to decay. It became corrupt, and it began to die. All of these uh, things. Imagine the reaction of the people in the time of Noah. They had never seen rain. They didn't know rain. And when the rain began to fall from the sky, boy, could you imagine the looks on their faces when that happened? They knew something serious was about to take place. The animal kingdom was affected. You know, before sin came into the world, animals lived in perfect harmony with one another. There was no conflict. There was no one animal eating another animal. There was no food chain. They were all herbivores. They all ate from the plants and the trees that yielded its fruit, that yielded its seed. There was no conflict between them. This is taken from the book of Isaiah. It's chapter 11, verses 6 through 8, and it speaks of a time after the seven-year tribulation when Jesus is going to set up His millennial kingdom. But I want you to listen to what it says about the harmony that the animals will be living in. It says this, "...the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together." and a little boy will lead them also the cow and the bear will graze their young will lie down together and a lion will eat straw like the ox the nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra and the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den perfect harmony that's what we have to look forward to in the future a place where man and beast will live in perfect harmony Just like it was in the beginning. This is the environment that God had created. Perfection. Harmony. But when the disobedience of man brought the curse of sin into the world, that all changed. Animals no longer ate plants. They ate other animals, and they wanted to eat men. Men wanted to eat animals everybody just ate plants and fruit from the plants back then before that but the curse changed all of that and the perfect harmony between the first man and woman between mankind all of that changed and now mankind has disagreements mankind has conflict mankind seeks power there are fights over materials and money and land, fights over power, fights over who's going to be in charge of this, who's going to do that, whose responsibility is it for this, just conflict that leads to war, that leads to murders, conflict over a pair of gym shoes in the middle of a downtown area. I want those shoes. I will take those shoes. I will shoot you for those shoes. This is the world that we live in now. Cheating, hacking, corruption, getting your credit card number stolen, people hacking into your bank account. Why? Because of greed. Why? Because of selfishness. All of this stuff happens. Tornadoes, tsunamis, earthquakes. All of this happens because of sin. My friends, listen to this statement. The answer to the question, why? Why cancer? Why death? Why pain? Why suffering? Why dementia? Why this? Why that? Why, why, why? The answer to the question is sin. Sin is the answer to the question, why? It's all because of sin. We live in a broken and fallen world because of man's disobedience. God created a world of perfection, and man broke it. And so now the scope of God's work has changed. God created a world of perfection, set mankind in it, and had a beautiful relationship with mankind. There was companionship between God and man. Now that man disobeyed, broke that, God's scope of work has changed. He is now a perfect and holy God working in the midst of a broken and fallen world. You see how things have changed. But God has a plan. One day... When that number has reached, and I don't know what that number is, when the number of people have come to Jesus Christ that He says, yes, this is good, and it is fulfilled, He is going to have that perfect creation again. It is going to be all those who trust Him through Christ, who prove their love to Him through Christ, and He is going to have what He wanted from the very beginning, loving relationship with those who love Him, reciprocate that love living in a place free of death, free of pain, free of all of those bad things that we had just mentioned, and it's going to last for all eternity. And it's never going to end. So God's plan will be fulfilled. It just is going to be fulfilled having to have us prove our love for Him. So God works... Now, in the midst of a broken and a fallen world. But, my friends, the most damaging thing that the curse of sin did was cause division between us and God. The third point that we're going to talk about today is mankind's sin broke our relationship with God. You see, in the moment that man sinned in the garden, God extracted man. From the garden. He took him out and then he put these swords of fire, flaming swords that spin and they guard the tree of life. And he said, Let us remove man from the Garden of Eden before he eats from the tree of life. That was an act of mercy. That was an act of love because God was saying, I don't want mankind to remain in this fallen state. For all of eternity. Let's remove him before he eats from the tree of life. Now we know this because in the book of Revelation, we're seeing what happens there, that all the people who are there in the heavenlies are going to be eating from what? A tree of life. And they're going to be in a state of perfection. Okay? So it was an act of mercy. God said, no, we need to remove man from the garden lest he eat from the tree of life. And what we see, that mankind's sin broke our relationship with God, we see that our sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says this, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He does not hear. You see, when mankind sinned, It put a chasm, a great chasm between man and God. God is a holy being that cannot look upon sin. And so God had to turn His face from that, and it broke that relationship. And the only way that a relationship can be restored with mankind is for mankind's sin, his sinfulness, to be covered in righteous blood, sinless blood, Of Jesus Christ and that's why through faith when you believe and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior that righteous sinless holy blood covers you covers your sin and restores your broken relationship with God folks do you understand the urgency there is to help lead your friends and your family to a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's urgent because they have a broken relationship with God otherwise. We did too. It's nothing for us to brag about. It's nothing for us to say, hey, I'm a Christian. That's not the attitude we need to have. We need to be understanding that, hey, we have nothing to offer God, and it's only by His grace and His mercy that He provided this way of salvation and that by trusting in Jesus Christ, we have this blood applied to us. (coughs) Praise God. Praise God. Praise Him that He provided the way. Nothing good on my account. No, 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 I'm not a good person. No, 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 I don't have all these righteous deeds. You can't look at my history and say, whoa, look at that unblemished past. Uh Uh-uh, you can't say that. But what you can say is, you know what? He or she trusted Jesus Christ. He or she believed in the Lord. He or she wanted God's love in their life. And so he came to the Lord. She came to the Lord. She asked Jesus to forgive their sins. His sins, her sins, all my sins forgiven. Wash them clean. Cover me in that blood, Jesus Christ. So my relationship with God can be restored back to you. And that's why... Uh, Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, death is the payment of sin. Death is the wages of sin. When you think of that word wages, it's a word that means a soldier's pay, a soldier's ration. It's a wage that was given to a soldier in a time of war that he could live upon. And when you think of sin, when we sin, the payment for that sin is death. I'm going to let that sink in for just a moment. The payment of that sin is death. That is how wonderful the free gift of grace is through Jesus Christ is. And you may be thinking to yourself, why did Jesus have to die? That's why. Because the payment of your sin was death. And God loved you so much, He didn't want you to die. He put His own, sin, his own Son in place of you. Because it wouldn't have mattered if you went on the cross anyway. Because your death on a cross couldn't have gotten rid of your sin. Why? Because you're a sinner. It took the death of a sinless and perfect being, a sinless and perfect man, to atone for the sinner's sin. And that's why Jesus Christ, the perfect and sinless man, the Son of God, went to the cross because he paid your debt. He got in the front of line at Costco, and he said, I know your wife wants to buy $15 ice cream, and I know you don't have the money to pay for it, so I'm going to pay for it anyway. That's a terrible illustration (laughs) when talking about something as holy and precious as the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. But my friends, the air was feeling a little tense. So I decided to throw that in there. But that's where we're at. Next week, we're going to finish up this series and we're going to talk more about what Jesus Christ has done and how He is going to improve the human condition. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we want to thank You, Lord God, Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness of sin. We thank you, Lord, that you uh, thought so much of us in a relationship with us that you would provide a path of salvation. Thank you for giving your only Son, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of our sins. And Father, perhaps there's someone here this morning that is yet to receive that payment for their sin. And if that's you and you would like to leave here this morning knowing that you would be a child of God and that your sins would be forgiven, then you can pray right where you're at, right where you're sitting right now. You can take your heart before God and you can pray a prayer similar to this with sincerity and with a genuine heart. You can ask, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and wash me clean of my sins. I believe you are God's only Son and I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I believe that you were buried in a tomb and then on a third day you rose again. Dear Jesus, I believe that you have defeated death and I believe that through faith in you I can have eternal life. Jesus, I want to spend... Eternity with you in heaven. You can pray that prayer and you can begin a relationship with God. And if you do, I would ask that you please let me know that you did so that we can talk about what that means and what comes next. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you turn in your hymnals now to page 191?